Dinner is ready. I'm not hungry, ma'am. Where are you going? Out with friends. A girl? Oh, ma'am. Look at you. Give your mother a kiss. I'm going to be late. Always late. Hi, Papa. How was work? Out again, Farooq? It's Freddy now, Papa. Freddy or Farooq. What difference does it make when you're out every night? No thought of the future in your head? Good thoughts, good words, good deeds. That's what you should aspire to. Yes. And how's that worked out for you? up with that scene from the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. I know if you've seen it. I don't know if you remember that scene or not. It's right in the beginning of the movie. And uh, it's if you uh, if you look for the greatest clips in this movie, probably not one picked out, but it's stuck in my mind. It's stuck in my wife. Don's, uh, Don's uh, got her attention. You know, uh, hey, you know what? Hey, uh, good thoughts, good words, good deeds. That's what's important. Think for the future. And uh, Freddie Mercury says to his dad, yeah, how's that working out for you? You know, that's a that's a common theme with people that that seem to to change the world. You know, when you think about uh, when you think about the hey, I'm going to go do my own thing. And, you know, uh, Steve, I think about Steve Jobs, you know, hey, you know what? He, he Steve Jobs always says, hey, people that are that are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the people that change the world. And, uh, you know, and then I went into that song, My Life. My mom used to tell me that this was me, this was my song to her. When I was, I think it came out in my junior or senior year of high school. And she goes, yeah, this is, this is, this is Edwin's song to me. Because he just says, leave me alone, mom. This let me live my life. I'm doing my thing. Mom wanted me to be an engineer. And, uh, you know, hey, and, you know, even uh, even after I started having some financial success, well, you know, Ed, if you had uh, finished college like your sister, you could be driving a company car like she does. I said, yeah, Mom, I could be driving a Chevy Celebrity like Renee does instead of driving whatever I want to drive. Yep. And, of course, uh, my sister is still a uh, raving Democrat in Pennsylvania and 
We just had a conversation about her uh, solar system, and she reminded me as she spent uh, the amount of money on her solar system that would take 15 years to pay for itself. And uh, Renee's five, uh, five years older than me, so she just turned 63, I think. I think she just turned 63. And uh, so it'll take 15 years to pay for itself. Her, her average electric bill is 85 bucks. And as I say, well, what sense does that make? She says, let me remind you, I have a degree in math and I have three financial advisors. And I said, well, whichever financial advisor told you this was smart, you need to fire that one. So anyway, you'll know why my theme is that for this week. Because there's a lot of idiocy going on in the news today. And there's just a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff, and I'm just seem to. I I always look at myself as a independent thinker, and uh, and I'll explain and I'll explain why, I'll explain why. And uh, you know, one of one of my listeners and one of my Facebook friends, Dave Van Buren, sent me a message. I don't remember if he emailed me or texted me, or if he uh, Facebook messengered me or sent me a tweet, or uh, but you know, Dave and I have never met each other, but uh, we've been we've been uh, we've been cybering each other for for years and uh as as he uh as we met through the through the radio show and uh so he sends me messages and and thoughts and and we exchange ideas and he said you know what hey you know you i always thought of you as such a such a success successful entrepreneur and uh you're building a wholesale capital and you're going into other states and uh you know and then all of a sudden next thing you know you're merging into summit funding and just Change the whole course that, you know, I don't understand that. And, uh, he said, he asked if, if I'd explain on the radio and I kind of thought, yeah, do I want to explain on the radio? Should I just send it back? So I'll tell you, because I think what's going on in the news warrants it. I see, you know, I, I only, I only, uh, took on wholesale capital, which we bought as a little mom and pop shop back in 95 and, uh, back in 95, cause we got tired of, of, uh, joining other companies and having them, uh, promise us the world and then nickel and dime us to death. I was me and a few other guys. It started with me and then I added a guy and then we picked up another guy and, and we built our, our organization one person at a time. And, uh, every time we join another company, they'd promise us the world and then find ways to, to pull back on that promise and said, Hey, we're going to start our own company. Then we found wholesale capital and we bought it. it was a little mom and pop shop did 14 loans their last fiscal year. And we turned it into, uh, we had it up to, uh, doing a billion dollars a year in business. And, uh, um, at some point, you know, at some point it, as we went through the, through the, the mortgage meltdown and we were building our big building on the side of the 60 freeway, um, we started putting so much money into that building that my partner and I stopped actually taking paychecks for about three years. So we're working and living off our investments. And, uh, then we, uh, we came out of that and we were successful. I ended up buying him out at some point and I had another partner and then, uh, um, we, we built it back up, making a whole bunch of money, making good investments and, uh, regulation, regulation made it so expensive to do business at, at one point, uh, I think it was 2014. I had to add a million dollars a year in, in payroll just to comply with a rule called TRID. And, uh, it just got so expensive to do business and, as uh, as technology technology came on, technology made you know the regulations. Trump Trump came in and and eased off some regulations and a lot of businesses, but he hasn't really it hasn't really come through 
officially to the mortgage business quite yet. You know, um, uh, Mick Mulvaney took over the CFPB and he eased back, but never really changed laws, just kind of eased back on things. They never really officially changed some things that, uh, and I'd say, you know what, hey, you know what, I can get away with a lot of stuff now, but maybe I can't. You know, uh, a lot of companies were out there doing some stuff that was against that was against the rules, but I didn't really want to break laws thinking, hey, I'm ne- they're not going to enforce these rules because the rules are still there. And, uh, um, it just got to be got to be so expensive to uh, to comply, and the technology that was coming out, you had to have the technology to to compete. And as the as it, but the technology was so expensive that if you didn't have enough business to keep it running, it just didn't make any sense. And after a while, after a while, I just I had to look at it and say, hey, you know what? And I wanted to, and I wanted to use John Bon Jovi's song, you know, it's my life. Hey, I'm I'm only gonna I'm I'm not gonna live forever. I just want to live while I, you know, I I want to live my life while I'm alive, and have whatever it said, whatever however the words say. But Bon Jovi apparently doesn't allow me to use his song on the radio. So, uh, but um, um, I say, hey, you know what? I've been in this business for thirty years. How long do I want to fight this and try to try to fight what's going on here? Technology is doing this to our business. It, it doesn't make any sense at the size I'm at. I'm going to merge my gigantic branch into a company like Summit where I'm going to be a gigantic branch and hugely profitable as opposed to fighting it and trying to fight what's happening in the, in the world in this, this industry and make it, make it make sense. And I say, Hey, you know what, when I, when I, when I step outside the circle and look in, I say, Hey, smart businessmen, watch what's happening, watch the change happen. And they improvise, they adapt, they overcome and they, and they change with it. And I said, okay. Um, as I looked at it, I say, okay, this is, this is the smart, the smart move to do. And that's why I did that. So, uh, we instantly became part of a company that's licensed in 40 States and, uh, and actually, actually become a big giant profitable, profitable machine as opposed to struggling to, to make it make sense. So anyway, that's why I did it. That's why I did it. Um, I want to live while I'm alive and I want to live a happy life and I want to be profitable and I want to, and essentially just say, Hey, let's join forces and, and, uh, make economic sense. And, uh, you're going to see why this all ties in with what's going on this week. And before I use up any more time, let me introduce myself and get to it. My name is Ed Hoffman. For those of you that don't know me, I'm branch manager of summit funding in Merino Valley. We're lending all over the country, all over the country, but we're actually in Merino Valley. Uh, if you want to get in, involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, my toll-free number is 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone, you want to t- take it, hey, let's let's text each other or email each other, go to summitfunding.net slash ehoffman, and that's my uh, Summit Funding uh, page. Um, or you can go to my contact page on edhoffman.net as well. Um, and it'll, that'll get to me as well. And you'll hear back from either myself, you know, put in as much information as you want. Tell me how much information you want back. And, uh, you'll hear from myself or one of my teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex, Mar- uh, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, uh, Randy Johnson. And, uh, we will, uh, contact you any way you want to be contacted, email, text, smoke signals, telephone, text, uh, uh, uh we'll, we'll, We'll we'll beep you. We'll send a message to your beeper. Um, so anyway, um, if you want to hear something repeated, edhoffman.net. Go to the podcast page. You can hear this show as several well several past shows, and uh, you can uh, also get the podcast on 
uh, SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free. Um, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman and uh, Facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. Okay, let's get to what's going on this in this country this week. Okay, so while all this important stuff is going on in the country, uh, in the world, uh, while uh, North Korea is firing off missiles, while uh, China, China and America are doing uh, tariff tariff wars, while Iran is firing off missiles, we've got uh, aircraft carriers in the Persian Gulf. While uh, while we just uh, uh, appointed a new uh, Secretary of Defense, all this important stuff is going on in this country and in the world, and the Democrats are still worried about the Mueller report. They're still disappointed. They're on the second week of placing the blame on Attorney General Bill Barr for failing to turn over the unredacted Mueller report. The House Judiciary Committee voted 24 to 16 on Wednesday to hold Barr in contempt of Congress. So what they want him to do, he's in contempt of Congress because they want him to release the unredacted 446-page Mueller report, which includes grand jury information, which is illegal for him to release. So they, they're, they're subpoenaing him to release information that's against the law for him to release. Let's see. He's the attorney general. He should be the smartest uh, legal mind in the country. And these Congress people want him to release something that's against the law. And they're holding him him in contempt. Somehow I don't think that's really uh, an issue. I don't really think that's something. And, you know, and presiding over the vote is a man who you can't seem to say off your TV, uh, House Judiciary Committee Jerry Nadler, who... Who I haven't, who I haven't really, I don't know if I mentioned that when Don and I went to New York two weeks ago, I happened to walk right by this guy in LAX on our way to the plane. And I walked by him and I go, that guy looked familiar. But Don wanted to get on the plane because it was time to board, even though we had, an, had a half hour till we were, uh, till the plane took off. And we had first class seats. So, but she wanted to get on. So I didn't really have time to even do a double take. And then when we got to uh, John F. Kennedy, we got off the plane. I know he wasn't on our plane because, well, I know he wasn't in first class because I got up, you know, it's a five hour flight. So I got up two or three times to, to, uh, use the restroom and I didn't see anybody in, in first class that I recognized. And, uh, and I always scan everybody in first class because I'm just a nervous flyer. And, uh, and so when we got off the plane, we get up, get off the plane, we go use the, the men's room. Well, I use the men's room. Don use the ladies room. I come out of the, I come out of the, as I'm coming out of the bathroom, this little short guy just walks right past me and I go, and then I see him again. Oh, I know who that guy is. And as I walk out, Don goes, do you see who just walked past you? I go, was that Jerry Nadler? And she goes, yep. And I go, and I wanted to wait because I want to wait and give him a piece of my mind. Say, hey, why don't you leave our president alone and let him do his job? And by the way, don't you have a job to do? And uh, But my wife didn't want to have a scene in John F. Kennedy. We're on vacation. Let's not get arrested for anything. So uh, we didn't. Um, but you know what? This is why this guy's so angry. He's about 4 feet 11 inches tall. He's just a little weeble, man. He's got little man syndrome. So anyway, this has nothing to do with the show or anything else, but I just thought I'd mention it to you because you can't tell when he's on TV how short this guy is. So uh, he's about as big as a, like about a fourth grader. So are you smarter than, are you taller than a fifth grader? Nope, this guy isn't. So presiding over the votes, a man that can't stay off TV, Jerry Nadler, who of course declared this to be a constitutional crisis. We've talked for a long time about approaching a constitutional crisis. We are now in it. We are now in a constitutional crisis. And as I've said, as I've said many times, the Democrats must get on a conference call once a week 
and say, this is the word we're going to all talk about this week. This week it's going to be called, it's going to be the Trump shutdown. No, this week it's going to be, uh, what was it last week? It's uh, whatever it was. Well, this week it's constitutional crisis. Ever wonder what a constitutional crisis looks like? Well, open your eyes. We are now in a constitutional crisis. President Trump appears to be heading toward a constitutional crisis. I saw this coming and mentioned a constitutional crisis. We're hovering on a constitutional crisis. We're in a constitutional conflict that's careening toward a crisis. Do you agree with uh, Congressman Nadler, Chairman Nadler, that, uh, that we're in a constitutional crisis? Uh, we are. Yeah, we are. We're in a constitutional crisis because people don't know. Uh, they can't figure out which laws are uh, conflict with other laws. And, uh, well, uh, nobody really knows what to do. So, uh, meanwhile, there's actual news being made on the Russia conspiracy this week. And if you aren't hearing about it, it's because further proof that the, intelligent, the intelligence community conspired with the Democrats, as Trump has been saying for two years. And nobody really wants to talk about that because we don't want to say anything that is actually says that Trump was really serious and that Trump really knew something. Remember George Snuffleupagus? I mean, George Papadopoulos, the Trump campaign staffer, who's meeting with an Australian diplomat in London was the catalyst for the Russia conspiracy. He has a new book, and he believes Trump wasn't the only Republican whose campaign was being spied on. He was on Tucker this week to discuss it. In November of 2015, upon the, it was the same month that I was joining the Ben Carson campaign, because people forget that I was on Carson's campaign before I joined Trump's campaign. I was living in London, and I had been approached by high-level State Department officials and even the CIA um, in London. And they invited me to the U.S. Embassy to meet with me and to basically probe me and to get to know why I'm joining the Ben Carson campaign and what the Ben Carson campaign was really all about. And the man who invited me was David Kovic, who still works at the U.S. Embassy in London, and I think he's directing the energy department over there. So clearly by November 2015, I don't think that Trump's campaign was the only one that was under surveillance, quite frankly. Yeah, so he was on Ben Carson's campaign before he changed the Trump campaign. Uh, quite frankly, I was probably a Ben Carson uh, fan before. I think if I remember, uh, my f- number one pick was Scott Walker, and the number two was Rick Perry, the governor of governor of Wisconsin, then Rick Perry, the governor of Texas, and then number three was Ben Carson, who was the neurosurgeon who uh, who made uh, Obama look really stupid at that uh, prayer breakfast, and then Carly Fiorina, the well, uh, former uh, CEO of Hewlett Packard. And then uh, Trump was my number five out of the 17 people. Because um, I really didn't think Trump was serious about it. And nor did, nor did anybody else, in, probably including Trump at the time. But here's more from Papadopoulos. So when I was being approached by these uh, assets, uh, U.S. intelligence, British intelligence, and Australian intelligence from 2015 through 2016, they were always asking me two disparate yeah. questions. One, who are your personal contacts? And two, what Trump is up to with Russia? So there was clearly monitoring, and I think that's what uh, William Barr is going to get to the bottom of, this why is these a- assets were targeting me and others. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the whole Democratic Party is uh, is up in arms over the Bill Barr thing, not because they really want to keep this thing going, because they don't want Bill Barr to investigate the origins of the whole Mueller investigation. Because when they go go on there, they're going to realize that there was a big conspiracy, and this is probably some illegal illegal conspiracy, illegal coup to to take down a, uh, a candidate. And, you know, remember remember the basis, this constitutional thing that leads our country? Remember this government by the people, 
uh, for the people, by the people, and of the people. Uh, supposed to be based on the voters, you know. It's it's the voter thing that 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 drives us, and uh, that's how it's supposed to work. So it's not supposed to be what the high level people in government uh, make up make the people believe. We're supposed to be able to see the truth. And it's all being manipulated. So I think that's all going to come out. And I think there's going to be some high-level people that are going to find themselves in jail or, uh, I don't know, mysteriously. They're going to find themselves mysteriously committing suicide or something. You know, especially if they have something on Hillary Clinton. Because uh, that's just, I don't know. If you if you don't know the origins of that, go on to my website, edhoffman.net, and click on the click on the uh, Clinton casualty uh, thing. So anyway, there's one more Democrat disappointment this week uh, while we're talking about Clinton. It was the bear house at the Inglewood Forum a few nights ago. The Inglewood Forum, where we've all been going to concerts for years and years and years. I think it seats about 18,000 people. And uh, they booked it for an evening with Bill and Hillary Clinton. So basically a big couch on the stage with two microphones. So Bill can uh, take a take a sleep while Hillary Clinton uh, talks mumbo jumbo to uh, people. And apparently it failed to sell out. I think that's I think it's really it's really uh, um, it's really vain to think that they could they could sell out the forum for them talking about anything that they could talk about. But apparently a lot of stupid people bought tickets anyway. But uh, apparently they apparently I heard tickets tickets were as low I heard as low as two dollars. Uh, you could get in for two dollars at the night of the con- night of the event. Regardless, Hillary got the crowd excited with this gem about her 2016 electoral uh, election loss. I think it's also critical to understand that as I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. Yeah, you can have the election stolen from you uh, like she did. Of course, there's these things called the rules, you know, the, the electoral college thing. You know, it just, yeah, but I got the most votes, but that's not how the thing works. You know what? Hey, you know, on our basketball team, we have the tallest guys of anybody. We run the fastest 50-yard dash. Yeah, but the NBA rules say whoever puts the basketball through the hoop the most times in one game gets the win. Oh, wait, but our football team, our football team has the biggest, strongest guys. They have the bit, they have the, the the highest level of bench press of any football team in the NFL. Yeah, but that's not how it works. It's whoever catches the most passes and then gets the ball over the goal line to score the most points to win the games each time. It really doesn't have to anything to do with bench press or how big you are. Has to do with has to do with points. You know what? If it if it was the popular vote, then maybe Trump would have campaigned more in California and New York, where the where the population is so is so concentrated, as opposed to campaigning everywhere else in the country where it's where it's less sparse. So, but you know what? He made a strategy based on where the electoral where the electoral uh, votes are and uh and where the where people where people are that think like they think. So, I don't know. Maybe uh maybe that's not the same thing as having the election stolen from you and maybe uh people should start thinking, well, you know, Trump stole it from her. It's not fair. She got more votes. Well, just cuz there's so many stupid people in California, that's no, that's no, uh, that, I mean, that's the whole idea of behind, uh, behind the electoral colleges. Hey, that's a reason why we, every state has two senators. 
But because California has so many more people than everyone, we have a lot more Congress people than, than say, uh, Oklahoma. Say, you know, we have, we have Congress people based on our population, and we have senators based on we're one state. And the electoral, electoral uh, votes are based on our population. So that's, how, that's supposed to even it up, make it make sense for everybody. That's how our founding fathers put the put it together to make it fair for everybody. So one little area of the of the country didn't control the whole big country. Otherwise, it, why would it make sense for the whole United States of America to be one country? Because clearly, California has different interests than, let's say, Iowa does. Instead of having, hey, let's 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 based on let's make sure that we govern based on our common interests for the whole country. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this half of the of the main event, which means I got twice as much stuff to go over in the second half. Don't go away. Listen to five minutes of uh, uh, weather, traffic, commercials, and sports. I'll be right back with part two. Don't go away. And welcome back to the part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman. Branch Manager Summit Funding. I don't talk much about uh, real estate or financing on this show, but if you, because uh, I think uh, unless you're in the market, you're just not, you just don't find it interesting. But if you are in the market and you need someone that thinks like you, and if you listen to my show, I must think like you, or you just like like to get angered. Uh, if you and if you need so, if you need financing and you uh, want someone who thinks like you, call me toll free 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020, and uh, or get me on summitfunding.net slash ehoffman and uh, or uh, the contact page at edhoffman.net. There's a whole bunch of ways. If you can't find me, you ain't looking hard hard enough. Uh, whether you want to refinance a house you have or if you want to buy a new one or if you want to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing everybody's talking about. If you're 62 or older, you have some uh, equity and you have uh, more equity in your house than you have. Uh, if you have more years on your life than you have money in the bank, and but you got a lot of equity in your house, you want to see how, you, how that can help, uh, call me. 855-640-2020. So anyway, uh, we talked about the whole Russia thing and the Democrats not getting what they want this week. Um, but you know, uh, the, the big, the big stupid news that's going on. The thing that really, that really amazes me this week is, uh, the information that literally means nothing. Uh, but don't tell that to the mainstream media. CNN anchors are celebrating reports on Trump's tax returns from 30 years ago like they've uncovered some kind of dirty secret. Here's what they're getting so excited about, thanks to the New York Times story. $1 billion in losses, a decade of Trump's taxes. Somehow the Times obtained IRS printouts from Trump's 1040 forms from years 1985 to 1994. Why no one's asking how how they obtained this? I don't know. Because you know what? This is privacy information. How did this information uh, get released? If I was Trump, I'd want to know. I mean, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's probably. You know, who knows? I mean, I read his book, uh, The Art of the Deal, and I don't think this. I really don't think this is a secret that Trump uh, lost it. Lost a, a ton of money in Atlantic City. Uh, going into the gambling business. The numbers show in 1985, Trump reported losses of $46.1 million from his core businesses, largely casinos, hotels, and retail space in apartment buildings. They continue to lose money every year, totaling $1.17 billion in losses for the decade. Okay. Here's a quote from the, from the Times. In fact, 
Year after year, Mr. Trump appears to have lost more money than nearly any other individual in uh, any individual American taxpayer. Ah, uh, really? How do they know that? Um, here's how they figure this. The Times found found when it compared his results with detailed information the IRS compiles on annual sampling of high-income earners, his core businesses. His core business losses in 1990 and 91, more than $250 million a year, were more than double those of the nearest taxpayers in the IRS information for those years. The article concludes, overall, Mr. Trump lost so much money that he was able to avoid paying income taxes for eight of 10 years. Eight of the 10 years. It is not known whether the IRS later required changes after audits. Okay, so what? There's a lot, I mean, so, I mean, so what? If you read his book... Uh, he had opportunity to uh, to uh, take over a project in Atlantic City uh, that someone was uh, some other company. I don't remember the details specifically, but he got a, he had opportunity to take over a, a hotel project. Um, I'm trying to think if it was Holiday Inn or maybe he sold it to Holiday Inn at some point. Um, at some at some point, he he took over this project. He made it into a big a big hotel and casino. And then he did another one, and he 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 really did some shrewd stuff to get this thing going. And apparently, Atlantic City—I've never been there—but Atlantic City, New Jersey, apparently is not quite Las Vegas. And apparently, Las Vegas, as I remember it, when when I turned 21 and uh, went there initially, was a lot different than it is today. Uh, today, it's today, it's it, it's just a it's a gargantua of of uh, of. Um, of tourists, it was nothing. It was nothing like that, you know. Uh, let's see, I'm 57 minus 21 is uh, 46, uh, 36. So 36 years ago, 36 years ago, it wasn't not quite what it is today. I think the biggest thing on the strip was Circus Circus, and now you drive up and down the the strip. Is Circus Circus even there? I guess it is, but you can't even you can't even see it. So, uh, so uh, you know. It's it's significantly different, and and that was in uh, eighty. I was born in sixty one, so that was eighty two. So and this was in the mid eighties when when Trump did this. So it wasn't significantly different. So and this was Atlantic City. It wasn't Las Vegas. So big freaking deal. What's the what's the big deal about this? You know. Uh, so here's here there's there's a lot of rejoicing over this on CNN Tuesday night, but no one was more gleeful or more creepy than Don Lemon. Are you listening? The president of the United States is a fraud and a con man. And the fraud and the con is on us, the American people. Now we know why the president wants to keep his tax returns hidden. And it's not because he's under audit. Audit, schmod it. Yeah, because uh, he did something 30 years ago that didn't make money. Hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure that's why. I think. I don't think his. Uh, I don't think he's concerned about that. I did a lot of things 30 years ago that didn't make money too, and uh, I came out okay. I came out okay. I think Trump bought the old post office in Washington D.C., turned it into the Trump International Hotel, and from uh, what some of my friends uh, say, I went by there, but it was all roped off when I was there for the inauguration. Uh, but my buddy, uh, General uh, Brigadier General uh, Dana. Dana Hessheimer, uh, there quite often. And, uh, if you, uh, if you, if you surf my Facebook, you see a video that he sent me when, when, uh, Donald and Melania walked in there for dinner and he happened to be sitting at the bar and he did a little video there. Uh, quite a nice property. 
And uh, he's got a lot of nice properties. He bought the Empire State Building and then sold it. He did the the Javits Center in New York. Uh, he's got a lot of successful uh, properties out there. Uh, here's some more from Don Lamont. Well, here's our breaking news right now. And it is stunning. Except for maybe the people who knew him. The man who ran for president on his reputation as a billionaire business genius was a really, really, really lousy businessman. Yeah, a really, really, really bad businessman. Yeah, 30 years ago. Well, let's say even 1994 was uh, 25 years ago. Okay, so uh, let's talk about a really, really bad businessman, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, you know, he, him and uh, Steve Wozniak created the Apple, the Apple One. And Apple One was really successful. And then they came out with the Apple II, which was a big flop. It did nothing. It cost a lot. It was really slow. And it was a big flop. And then they came out with their, their next version, and it was a big flop. And they went through a whole bunch of money, and at some point, they booted him out of Apple. And then he went and created this, uh, and don't quote me on the details, because I read the Steve Jobs book, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago. And uh, um, uh, he created a, a company called Next. He came out with the Next Computer. It was a big cube. And, uh, and he came out with the Next Computer, and it was a big flop. But somehow Next did something, and they bought Pixar Pictures or something, and they got into the computer uh, computer uh, animated animal movies, and got into that kind of thing. And then at some point, uh, at some point, Apple was uh, flailing without him, and they asked him to come back, and they brought him back, and he uh, and somehow they came out with uh, the iPod, and the iPod was uh, saved saved Apple. And then Apple the, with the iPod, then it developed into the iPhone and the iPad. And next thing you know, they've got, you know, it's the greatest successful first billion dollar, trillion dollar company in the world or in the United States, whichever it was. Um, and no one would ever think of Steve Jobs as an unsuccessful businessman. They think of him as a, as a creative genius. There's a guy who walked away from his parents. There's a guy who's a college dropout. There's a guy when I think of the when I think of that scene from uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, there's a guy who who said, "Hey, you know, go on with your own life, leave me alone. I'm doing my thing." He was out there doing doing drugs and going to India and finding himself and getting some some disease in India and almost dying over there and coming back here and then starting a little company in Steve Wozniak's garage and and Steve Wozniak was doing all the smart stuff while he was being selling all this stuff and he's coming up with ideas and Steve Wozniak was building it and he was the idea guy and then Steve would turn it into into uh into uh, uh into inventions and they you know what? Who cares that he flopped on the Apple II? Who cares that the next thing was not was not very popular? Hey, you know what? I have a, a IT guy that used to work for for me at Wholesale Capital. He goes, "We don't like Apple, man. That's sealed up. You can't ever do anything with it. You can't you can't add stuff to it. You can't do any of this." And I said, "You know what? At some point after I read Steve Jobs' book and I bought my first Apple product, I go, "You know what? I don't want to do anything with it. If something breaks down, it I want a new one." I like it goes into the cloud or you just hook it to your computer and then you buy a new one and then all the information that you had in it just transfers to your new one. And I can't do anything with it. I like that because I don't know how to do anything. Just show, hey, I just stick my finger on it and move it and that's how it works. I like that. 
I don't care how many times he failed before he succeeded. I don't care how many how many projects that Trump Trump lost money on beforehand. He learned, you know, he did something. Look at what Barack Obama did. Let's count the successful things that Barack Obama did before we put him in the White House. Okay, now that we've thought of that, he never did anything, never ran a popsicle stand. Oh, he was a community organizer. Hey, morons, use your brain. Use your brain. We have some smart people out there running our country now, and they're and they're making some smart things. Let's let's use that. Hey, let's think about what's going on in Korea. Now we got Rocket Man shooting off some rockets. What do I think is going to happen? Is this stuff breaking down in between what Trump and uh, Kim Jong-un are doing? Hey, you know what? Trump's standing strong. Trump is standing strong. Do I think he do I think it's it's going sideways? Yeah, maybe it's not going as 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 uh as well as we'd like it to go, but I bet you, I'll bet you it's still going to come out how we want it. Because we're being strong, peace through strength. You don't get strength, you don't you don't get peace being a being a wuss, and that's what we did. That's what we did for all the last 20 25 years since Reagan's been out of there. So anyway, don't listen to the crap on TV. Use your brain. Use your brain. Okay, so let's talk about uh, what else is going on in the news. Abortion legislation is back in the news this week as state state of Georgia has become the third state to successfully pass the heartbeat bill. Legislation that prohibits abortion once a fetal heartbeat has been detected, which is usually about six weeks into a pregnancy. Here's Governor Brian Kemp as he signed the bill into law Tuesday, uh, flanked by his supporters. Georgia is a state that values life. We protect the innocent. We champion the vulnerable. We stand up and speak for those unable to speak for themselves. The Life Act is very simple, but also very powerful. A declaration that all life has value, that all life matters, and that all life is worthy of protection. I understand, like the others have said, that some oppose this legislation. I realize that some may challenge it in the court of law. But our job is to do what is right, not what is easy. That is America, folks. Do what's right. And every time, if you always do what's right, it always comes out right. Of course, not everyone feels that way. Presidential candidate Cory Booger, uh, Georgia's tweeted this out. Um, Georgia's fetal heartbeat law is an all-out attack on women that will strip them of their rights before many know they're even pregnant. I will fight to protect Roe versus Wade. Abortion is health care. Well, not so much for the fetus. Um, Stacey Abrams, the failed Georgia gubernatorial candidate, she tweeted out, tweeted out um, on the 7th, bad policies like the forced pregnancy bill are direct, direct result of voter suppression. If leaders can silence Georgians' voices at the ballot box, they can ignore Georgians' voices when in office. We will fight back in court and act at the voting booth. Oh, gag me with a spoon. And then here's uh, the princess, Hillary Clinton. Six-week abortion bans are effectively total bans on abortion, as many women don't know they are pregnant at six weeks. I stand with everyone in Georgia and around the country fighting these illegal measures that threaten women's lives and freedoms. Hey, guess what? You know who doesn't know? You know who doesn't know they're pregnant at six weeks? Uh, women who are married and don't care if they get pregnant or not because, hey, they, if they get pregnant, they welcome it. People that don't want to get pregnant are nervous about it. 
And if they think that they had an accident, they check. Okay. And if not, if you're really worried about it, keep your legs shut. Okay. Use the pill. You know, there's other ways to stop it besides abortion. Abortion is not, not the way to use it. Use it as a, as a birth control. But these statements are tame compared to the comments on CNN, from CNN con, uh, contributor Christine Quinn, who shouted down Rick Santorum as Chris Cuomo sat awkwardly in the middle. When a woman gets pregnant, that is not a human being inside of her. It's part of her body. And this is about a woman having full agency and control of her body and making decisions about her body and what is part of her body with medical professionals. Those are the facts, and that is the law of the land. Well, actually, if it has a heartbeat, it must be another body. Um, and in fact, it actually, it actually is not part of, it's not just part of her body. It's actually part of somebody else's body. And so should that person have some, uh, some, uh, say so on that. So somebody else puts part of their body inside this woman's body. Should they have something to say whether she aborts it or not? Uh, that's, that's part of the debate we have been ignoring. Hmm. I wonder where that goes. And you know, and here, here's another thought, you know, if you commit murder to a pregnant woman, and uh, you kill her and she's got a baby inside, they commit, they convict you of two counts of murder because you killed the baby and the mother. So why is that a human being when you're a murderer, but it's, but you're not a murderer if, if it's your body. Okay. Here's another thing that I think about. If, if we have, if we have, if a woman should have, ultimate uh, say-so in what goes on in her body, how come we want the government to have so much say-so on what goes on with our health care? And they say, hey, you know what? You're not allowed to have opioids. If you have chronic pain and your doctor prescribes you this pain, this pain, pain medication, the, the pharmacies aren't allowed to give you more than seven days worth or they're not allowed to prescribe you this kind of stuff because we think there's a concern. I remember, uh, I remember, uh, when, uh, when my wife's, uh, father was, was, uh, was sick and he was, he was, uh, almost, almost ready, but just before he passed away and, uh, the doctors gave him morphine and, and, uh, uh, Don and her sister were saying, Hey, we don't, I, I think it was, I think it was Don's sister said, Hey, we don't want him to get, we don't want him to get hooked. We shouldn't give him too much of this. And she goes, and, and Don said, are we we worried about him getting hooked on morphine? He's you know he's he's days he's days from expiring. You know, let's make sure he's comfortable. You know, why is the government in our in our in our lives in some some circumstances, but not in others? So you know you gotta you gotta get consistent. Let's get consistent, folks. Are we gonna are we gonna let the government tell us tell us uh, when it when it's our body and when it when it's not? Um, I think, uh, there needs to be some consistency and I don't think uh, the abortion, uh, I don't think the abortion argument, uh, makes any sense. George's heartbeat bill isn't the only reason the abortion is in the news in Pennsylvania state, state legislature, state legislator, Brian Sims is mobilizing a pro-life community after he, after he live streamed a video of himself harassing an elderly protester outside Philadelphia Planned Parenthood, as well as doxing her, which apparently doxing her is asking people to reveal her identity, identity and publish her home address. Hi everyone, uh, Representative Brian Sims here, and I'm once again out in front of Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania. Today's protester, now, 
She is an old white lady who's going to try to avoid showing you her face. An old white lady telling people what's right to do with their bodies. Shame on you. Shame. Shame. Shame on you. If you know who this woman is, and if you can give me her address, we'll protest out in front of her home. Let's go protest out in front of her house. This is a racist act of judgment, and you have no business being out here. Everyone, this is what they deserve, and this is what they need. Yeah, uh, just this is, is this what, is this, this is what people in Pennsylvania elect to, the, to lead their state? Guys that do this during the day? Hmm. Is that a full-time job, being a Pennsylvania legislator? I don't know. This isn't the first time Sims has done, Sims has done something like this. Just two weeks ago, he harassed a mom with three, three teenage girls who were praying outside the clinic on Holy Thursday, which is the day before Good Friday. Not only that, he told viewers he'd give them $100 to anyone who could help them uh, dox these girls, which tell everybody uh, where they live. Hi, everyone. Uh, Representative Brian Sims here, and I am outside the Planned Parenthood. A bunch of pseudo-Christian protesters who've been out here shaming young girls for being here. Hi. And so here's the deal. I've got $100 to anybody who will identify any of these three. So we're I'm actually going to Planned Parenthood. I'm going to donate to Planned Parenthood. So look, a bunch of war. white people standing out in front of a Planned Parenthood, shaming I'm people. Really There's sorry. nothing Christian about what you're doing. I yeah, a bunch of pseudo-Christian protesters. Pseudo-Christians. Oh, wait. Oh, supposedly Christians. Does this guy say he's Christian? I don't know. And uh, he he sure is ranking on white people. And I Googled him, and he looks like he's a white guy, too. So I don't understand that. Uh, but apparently uh, you have to be anti-white to get votes these days. Uh, here's the same mom that you can hear in the video, Ashley Goreshed. Uh, it it was a it was a shocking experience. Um, I what what is not seen in that video was our first interaction with uh, Mr. Sims. He approached us about twenty minutes before that. Um, came in, I would say he came in hot. He came in yelling at us um, and really was yelling very directly at the girls, very specifically at the girls. So I. Uh, moved myself in between him and the girls asked him, you know, please talk to me. Let's let's have a conversation. The two of us as two adults. Um, but he continued to, to yell at the girls. Um, and then eventually he left. And about 10 minutes later is when he came back videotaping us. Yeah, what what a what a what a cool guy. Brian Sims stunt has backfired at him big time. Facebook has pulled his videos. Pro-lifers organized a pro-life rally against bullying outside the same Planned Parenthood today, uh, which is Friday, which I'm recording uh, recording Friday morning um, at 11 a.m. Eastern. Um, and thousands are calling for Brian Sims to resign from Pennsylvania legislator. Um, if you if this stuff interests you, or even if it doesn't interest you, uh, if you haven't seen the movie Unplanned. Which is which has a lot to do with the same subject. Um, it's really good. I don't know if it's still in the theaters. It, uh, Don and I saw it about a month ago, um, and it's been out for a couple of months. Um, but it's probably on if it's not on Netflix or on pay per view. I'm sure it will be soon. It'll be on cable. But unplanned. It's a very good, very well done uh, movie and uh, uh, very very moving, very uh, stirring movie. Uh, okay, I got uh, two and a half minutes left. So America has had a three year vacation from Joe Biden's gaffes. I saw him on TV the other day. You obviously you can't tell on the radio, but this guy, I think, I think Joe Biden, once we start getting into this thing, people are going to see him. He's losing it. He doesn't have, he's not razor sharp like Trump is. You know, he's a, I think he's 77 and he's just not sharp. 
You know, when you see his motor skills and, you know, it's like like you'd see how you saw uh, Hillary when she's campaigning and all of a sudden she starts to get goofy and they rush her away from the cameras. Or you see you see her trip trip getting into the van and they lift her up and throw her in there like she's just not healthy. I don't think I don't think uh, Biden is is still there. And I think uh, as the campaign goes, you're going to see people are going to go, I don't think I want someone who's who's uh going off the deep end. I don't think he's uh I don't think he's razor sharp anymore. But uh you probably won't hear that from this clip. But America said, but uh it started last week when when Biden uh Biden told the audience in Iowa that China is not a threat to the United States. Of course, this comes as news to Iowa soybean farmers uh, who were hit by the retaliatory tariffs China has placed on American goods and people on both sides of the aisle who say China is the number one threat to America's position in the world. China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. They're not bad folks, folks. But guess what? They're not a they're, they're not they're competition for us. Well, I just don't think uh, I again, you got to see this on TV. Watch the video and watch. I just I just don't think this guy is going to last through this uh, through this election. I think what we see in the polls now are nothing like we're going to see a year from now. Then over the weekend, Biden mistakenly, mistakenly claimed that the late prime minister, uh, Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady, she was concerned about Trump. She told him she was concerned about Trump. During a closed-door fundraiser in South Carolina, Biden listed Thatcher as one of 14 heads of state who claimed to have personally voiced concerns about Trump. As you are likely aware, Margaret Thatcher resigned as prime minister in 1990 and died in 2013. Biden later corrected himself, explaining to the donors that he meant to say current British prime minister Theresa May instead of Thatcher. He blamed the mix up on a Freudian slip. And whether and whether or not you're on Biden's side about his extreme displays of affection towards women, it's clear this is something that's not going away as he runs for president. Case in point, what one female shouted at him this week. It really does. Nice, thank you. <laughs> In case you couldn't understand, she said, "Oh, you can hug and kiss me anytime." So uh, anyway, hey, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event, folks. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. The views expressed on this program are of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number zero one one four seven seven four seven NMLS nine eight seven three and California Finance Lenders License Number six zero three K six one zero. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB number zero nine three seven three four six.